0: Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and you've guessed it, this is where we talk about money. And it is my mission to empower you, to help you make the best financial decisions possible. Why? Because money is a tool, life is for living. Let's go. Good morning, good morning. Welcome back, everybody, to the Conversation of Money podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. So we are literally in a couple of days and a few days before Christmas, And in ending this year, we've spoken a lot about investing. We've spoken a lot about crypto. We've spoken a lot about, you know, just being in the markets and trying to execute our investment plans in aid of a better future from a financial point of view. Today's episode, though, is actually going to be a really great conversation because if you follow me for a while, especially on YouTube, you'll know that I have got investments all over the place. I've got so many investment accounts. And the common question that I get is, well, Pete, I've got all of these accounts. Should I segregate them all into one? Should I consolidate them? Or how do I keep track of what's going on in my individual investment accounts? And so with this episode, I'm going to be having a chat with the guys at Money Hub. I've actually signed up to their um, platform and their app over the last three, maybe four weeks. And it's really, really good to help you. Uh, consolidate all of your investment information in one go. And there's so many other perks and features in there as well that I. it was just right that I got um, the guys at Money Hub, Hub to come along. So with me today, I have Dan Scully, who is the Chief Commercial Officer at Money Hub. Dan, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the podcast.
1: Well, thank you very much for, for inviting me. Great <laughs> Pleasure.
0: Absolute pleasure. So just to get us started, why don't you just give us a brief introduction to you and MoneyHub. And by the way, I've said this to Ian, um, the way you guys have set this up is so intuitive and it's so easy to use. It's just a no-brainer for people who are actually with a lot of investment accounts, like myself, trying to get all that information in one place.
1: Oh, it's really lovely, uh, lovely to hear and, and kind of you to say. We um, we really care about helping people improve their financial position. Uh, we talk internally about moving to the fields of financial wellness. And it doesn't really matter where you are on that journey, whether you're starting out, maybe in debt, and you're trying to get out of debt, or you've got lots of investments all over the place that you're trying to track and make, make that work harder for you. Um, all of us can do a little bit more to, to make that better. Uh, and that's what Money Hub does. So, Money Hub's um, an open. Um, a regulated open data platform and we we work with companies primarily um, where we can initiate payments and move money around to make it work harder Um, and we offer personalized digital experiences we improve the way companies work with their customers but we also as you mentioned have our own direct consumer platform that allows people to aggregate all of their finances into one place Uh, we help clean up that data and, and make it easier to understand Uh, And we offer automated insights in order to take away some of the pain of financial admin, really. Um, Whether whether you're an expert and you just don't want to spend your time doing it, or you're just getting started and you need some help on where to look and what to do, MoneyHub can help you.
0: Excellent. And I think one of the things that you mentioned there, and this is maybe some of the terminology that I want to get into for the benefits of the users, is that, There is such a thing as open banking, open finance, and that how that data, because there is data that we generate when we go and invest money with say, I don't know, trading 212 or free trade, all of that data is basically there. And essentially what you guys do is you uh, consolidate, you congregate that information into one place. So let's just talk a little bit about the idea of open banking and open finance for many of the the listeners, that may sound like really complex terminology. But what does it fundamentally actually mean?
1: Well, the the financial services industry loves to make things sound more complicated than it really is.
0: <laughs> yes, we um, do.
1: It keeps a lot of us in jobs at times. Um, uh-huh. So so open open data and open finance. So open open. Banking is within those things. So you've got open data, which is which is one thing, then open finance and then and then open banking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but effectively, open is just just saying that it's your data. So when you spend money and it those transactions sit with the bank, that's your data. Where you spent the money, how much, what on, that is your data. So the, the concept of open just means that it's shared with your permissions. It gives you the right to share that data with third parties that you choose to share it with. Now, um, with open banking, you need to be regulated to do that, Mm -hmm. which MoneyHub is, uh, and regulated by the FCA. Um, And we need to connect securely with the banks to get that information. So open banking is just a subset of current accounts and credit cards. Open finance covers a much broader um, range of financial services. So it could include pensions, investments, mortgages, loans, um, savings, and all of those other things that you want to bring together into one place, properties and cars, you name it. If there's some financial element to that asset, then it sits under the remit of open finance. And then open data takes that one step further again and allows you to bring in other data sources <clears throat> Excuse me, to, to be able to see a complete picture of your finances. So open data typically includes things like um, where you've got your Fitbit, information you may want to bring that in and share that with a third party for example um and and that's really the different types
0: okay that's interesting and I, okay maybe a question that i have for you because i think anyone listening to this will probably be thinking about this as well is this completely new and how new is it because i think if you go back to like 1990 or so like if you bank with barclays or NatWest, then you know you didn't you never got to see your data your data was almost belong to them so how new is this concept of actually having it open and shareable so that it's it's available on that wider scale
1: sure <clears throat> so the concept's not that new I and mean, we're going back um you've got things like ms money where people used to track all their finances and try and pull it together um, but a lot of it was kind of quite manual the concept of open finance we've been doing that since uh, early 2010s okay so it's not that new Um, But the legislation around open banking and making it a formal, secure and regulated activity, um, that kicked in for the main banks, the biggest nine banks in January 2018 and the the other banks later in that year. Um, So yeah, it's been around two or three years now um, and and, and as a regulated activity.
0: Okay. So when you say it's regulated, obviously you've got to apply to the FCA for permissions and an authorization and everything like that. And I think for most people who may be listening to this, I'm sure as well that you get this question, how safe is it? Because you're saying that it's open and it's something it's a, it's a system that allows you to be able to access and share this information and fair enough. You've got to go through regulation and get permissions, but how secure is it? What are the obligations that you have as a provider on, on the security side of things?
1: Sure. So it's um it's secure by design. Um, I think one of the problems in the financial services industry is we 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 like to make things complicated and we're not very good at naming things. So open mm-hmm. banking is a terrible name because it does sound like it's just a free for all. And yeah. actually, it's far from it. Um. So yes you have to be regulated which is a whole process you need to go through and you need to prove that you're keeping people's data safe that you've got processes in place that are appropriate and proportionate to to the activities that you're carrying out and uh, we get monitored and we have to uh we, we also get we, we choose to also be iso 27001 certified which is all around data information security um so on one side you've got to be regulated it's only a you know, a, a limited number of companies that are able to provide these services. But on the other hand, the technology itself is, is designed to be safe and secure. So, what, what it means is if you want to share your data uh, with us in order to be able to see, see your data in one place, um, you say to us, I want to connect to my account. We then go to the bank and say, Peter would like to connect his account. The bank then connect with you and say, do you want to do this? And you say, yes. You authenticate with your banking security directly with the bank, nothing to do with us. And then once that's been approved, that then sets up a secure feed between your bank to us to bring your data into one place. And it's consent driven, so you consent to it, but also permissions based. So you only consent to the amount of information you want to share with us, Um, and we have to say to you what we're using it for. And that's the bit that the regulation kicks in to make sure that we're not doing something we shouldn't. So it's secure in that it's secure in that it's all tokenized. And then the data is where the data is shared it's all um, um, encrypted and we, we store it at, encrypted at rest so you, people can't get at it. Even if someone did get into our databases and tried to get at your data, we hold your data about you completely separately to the data about your transaction. So worst case scenario they come in and they may get some random person's transaction information but they can't tie it back to you or they might get your information but they can't get your financial they can't get the financial data that goes with it. So the, the way I always think of this is it's a bit like when we get the data, we shred it. So it's like a, taking a statement and shredding it, and then we put half in one box and half in the other boxes. Right. It's very hard for someone to piece that information back together.
0: So underlying it all, though, from what you just said there, the I guess um, the way I, I'm thinking about this is, it's purely based on permissions being granted by the consumer for you yeah. to access that information. Cause I'm just thinking about the process. When I signed up to you guys, you've got all of these steps. If you, especially if you're adding like uh, investment accounts, like Vanguard yeah. accounts or something like that, you have steps. And in certain um, instances with the banks, um, you have to then renew the approval on a regular basis on a cycle, don't you? So it's it's all controlled by the consumer.
1: It, it is indeed. So, you consent for um, how long you want that data to be with us for um, and we can only keep doing it. We have to check in with you every three months for the banking data and say, do you still want to keep using this service? At the moment that checking is with the banks, it's moving as of March next year so that the service you're using can check. And that's a great thing because it means we can uh, re-consent to multiple banks at once. You, I'm sure, a bit like me, I bank with lots of people, uh, yep. different bank accounts for different purposes. So it's a bit of a pain having to go through and do each one. So as of March next year, we'll be able to say, right, you've got you know, Barclays, Monzo, Starling, and, and Halifax. Do you want to keep them all going? And I say yes. But we do keep checking in with you to make sure that it doesn't become kind of dormant data, a service that you're not using, but your data is just you know, quietly going away in the background.
0: One thing that I loved about... Um about signing up and actually using the platform is, obviously you consolidate all that information in one place and it's easy to see what you hold in different areas with different banks. But you've also got some really cool things in there as well. Like you've got in there um, the income analysis and the spending analysis as well. And you talked a little bit about financial wellness beforehand. Like I'm a big, big advocate And believer in the fact that the foundation to financial wellness is steeped and founded on like very simple things that we don't get taught in school, like budgeting, like making sure that you're not spending more than what you have coming in on a monthly basis. And I like that you have the income and the spending analysis in there because I think sometimes it's very, very eye-opening when you really sit down with, okay, where have I spent my money? Then all of a sudden you see a large proportion of. Of your money go towards one thing that really was never at the forefront of your mind and habit just kind of gets you there? Yeah. I mean, I
1: think that's the key thing, really. And we're agnostic. We don't don't sell your data on. We don't um, make any money from the products and services you're using. So, you know, I don't really mind which bank or which investment services you're using. We're agnostic. And so by bringing it all together, you don't necessarily want or need to consolidate everything into one you know pot that might be sensible but it might not what we're doing is giving you that view so you can make more informed decisions benchmark things against each other um but but i guess it it doesn't really matter how clever you are you uh or how financially savvy you are none of us like doing paperwork
0: (laughs) that's that's
1: the problem is it just becomes effort and as soon as it becomes effort that's where things go missing and things go a bit wrong um i'm 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 originally from Yorkshire. My, my grand would say to me, look after the pennies, and the pounds would look after themselves. Mm-hmm. That's really ingrained in in the Money Hub um, product design. Because um, if you can just remove the admin, you're going to make better, smarter, faster decisions. And you're going to get by proxy more involved in your finances. And it's like anything you nurture and look after, it can only get better when you do that. I mean, great examples of things like because you can understand someone's spending their income, how their investments are performing, suddenly a tax return is just a click away. Mm. And for the mass people that are kind of just having to do tax returns for fairly simple reasons, it's, it's admin, but not much difference you know, it's £100 plus or minus. It's a bit of a pain, but if you don't do it, you're going to get fined. So making that easy and, and kind of simple is really important because not everyone wants to pay an accountant to do that. When it is just maths...
0: Because and Accountants are expensive. Accountants yeah. are very, very expensive as well. You're talking, you know, 500, 650 quid for a personal tax return a lot of the time. It's like yeah. that's money uh, you can use for something else.
1: The other one that's brilliant that, um, you know, track, just tracking basic things like, um, I'll give you a couple of examples. One great example would be, you know, we know the value of your property, we know the value of your mortgage. We can tell you when you've crossed the loan to value ratio and therefore could be due a better deal which can be hundreds and hundreds of pounds a month, just instantly like that. Now, look, eventually we all end up remortgaging because we get round to it. But if we can bring that window in, because we've done the admin from even by three months, you could be talking a thousand pounds, easily. And There's just so many examples. You can't, my car insurance is due. Being told your car insurance is due, Last year you paid this much. Since then, premiums across the industry have gone up by, well, I don't know what they are actually, twelve percent, and yours has gone up by ten percent. Makes me go, actually, I'm probably doing okay. I'm not going to waste my time shopping around. But if it had been the other way around, maybe I would. Maybe I'd think, oh, it's time I I, I I relook at that. So it's not just saving you money, but it's saving you time so that you can invest that time in in things that make you more money, bring you more happiness, whatever whatever suits you.
0: I. On the mortgage side of things, I would agree with you 100% because um, when I was speaking to uh, Ian before we recorded all of this in in, in in preparation to record all of this, and obviously I signed up to it, he goes, yeah, you can literally just tie in like your house value. And I'm like, what? So And he goes, it's very, very simple. So you just go into Zoopla, you put in your postcode and it ports the information in. And I'm like, for me, that's just a joy. And apparently you can tie on, I've not yet done this, but you can also tie on your mortgage as well. So you can, and what it basically does for my understanding is it gives you that breakdown of overall, your just your net worth. Cause you can include your property values and anything else in there alongside your investments and your cash accounts. And for many people who talk about, you know, being able to track their net worth, it gives you a very nice visual representation of I'm here. My net worth is here. And because sometimes with finance, it's out of sight, out of mind. We don't necessarily think about it too much. Having something you can log in and be like, "Oh, my net worth has increased this year by, you know, X amount." It really gives you a focal point to really pay attention to the to your finances and what you're doing with your money in general.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think about pensions. So we've now got auto enrollment, which which for many of us we've not had before, and. When auto enrollment came in, one of, one of my friends for me and said, my, my boss has just started taxing me more money. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, they've started just taxing they're taking my money. I said, well, that can't be right. But then I, my brain suddenly caught over me. I said, hang on a minute, check it's your pension. And it was, they would not been contributing to a pension. They now were contributing to a pension. They're, they were putting some in, but their employer was actually double, doubling up again. So they were getting quite a lot of money into their pension. So I talked them through it and I said, this is A, your, your employer can't do anything about it. They have to do it. It's, it's a legal requirement. But B, they've effectively given you quite a significant pay rise. And also start to look at your pension and how that's growing now. So your net worth is growing. So when you get to the end of the month and you say, oh, you know, I've not really got any money left. Well, actually, yes, you have because you've put all this money into your future. Mm-hmm. And if you start thinking like that, whether that's long-term pensions, medium-term into, into savings for houses or savings for, for any kind of future event, if you start thinking like that, it's game changing in, in terms of the way you think about finances. So, no longer are you worried about your day-to-day budget, you're thinking more holistically, what is my your day-to-day budget is important. You've got to get that right. It's a foundation. Yeah. But you're then thinking more holistically about, am I actually better off? And I'll tell you what, there's nothing that makes you feel better than seeing each month you're getting slightly better off. It just is a great feeling.
0: Yeah, I would I would 100% agree with that, particularly on the pension side, because I've got all of my pensions into the money hub now. So I can see, right. And before, because you would actually have to go and look for that information and log in. And I've it's happened to me. I've got one with LNG, quite a large pot with LNG. But every year when I think about, oh, I need to go check it out, I forget what the password is. So I've then got to reset the password and then they you they were doing something at one point where they would have to send you something to verify. And it's, it's an absolute nightmare, but just linking it all in one place and be able to say, right, my pension my for the future is this. That is growing, by the way. And because you update it with investment performance, because it's a live feed, you know the right, my pensions have gone up from here to here each year. This is what I'm contributing in. It does give you that overall sense of I'm doing okay, but there's something else that you guys actually do. And it doesn't necessarily apply to me, but it will be very, very useful for people who are listening to this, who are you know, in the market to buy their first home who wanna be first time buyers. And this, it, this speaks to an age old gripe that people have in the fact that your rent doesn't go towards your credit score and <laughs> proving that you can actually afford a mortgage, even though ironically, Getting a mortgage and what you're paid for, a mortgage in most cases is actually cheaper than the rent you pay. But you guys are able to feed that information in, aren't you?
1: Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, don't get me started on credit scores. I could, <laughs> I could do a whole, that's a whole different um, podcast on credit scores. And you know, my view is that they've kind of had their day, and there's much better ways of being able to show whether someone can afford a loan or to make an investment or to repay a debt. There's better ways. Um, but but at the moment, so many systems are so embedded with credit scores, you kind of have to accept that they are a necessary evil, mm-hmm. um, and you've got to make them as, as good as possible. There's a few simple things that anyone can do to improve their credit score, but yeah, the, the rental improvements are really important. Um, so yeah, being able to report that rental agreement into a credit reference agency to positively increase your score, and sh- it, it, it's really important, especially in the run up to getting a mortgage. Um, And with the beauty of MoneyHub, again, we're agnostic, we're not getting paid by any of these companies. So, we only submit the minimum amount of data required to improve your credit score. So, you're not having to give all of your financial information to a credit reference agency in order to, to just improve because of rental. We only share the rental agreement data. And again, control and consent are the heart of everything we do. So, at any point, you can stop that and switch it off. It's completely in your control.
0: Mm. I think I think it's really really important um, because yeah, I used to advise on mortgages, and a lot of the time that when people I was speaking to first time buyers, it's like they'll get turned down. It's like it, my rent is more than the mortgage, and I could never give them a really good explanation as to why they weren't approved. When when you look at the general affordability on paper, like for like, the mortgage is two hundred pounds less than what you're paying in rent so how can the banks not actually see that but the fact that you do have the rent recognition thing i mean you do that every month and you submit that to each of the credit reference agencies
1: yeah we submit that data every time you make a payment we submit the data to say yeah it's come in on time and it's fine and it's the right amount and everything else and we try and make that as simple as possible so we spot the the you know when you sign up to the service we spot the rental payments we say are these your rental payments you say yes and then and then they get submitted. So we're trying to make it really easy using machine learning and various different things to categorize that data and spot, spot the right data so that you don't have to. Again, everything we're trying to do is, is around minimizing the paperwork.
0: So if you are listening to this, so you are in the market to buy your first home. And I know that many of you are who listen to the podcast just as a tool to help you on your journey. And I say this all the time, especially when I speak about first-time buyers, you know, hope you need to be proactive when you're looking to purchase your first home and hopefully if you are in the market to buy your first home, you're being proactive with your credit score and the reporting well in advance of the actual purchase date. I've I've seen it before where people be like, oh I'm ready. But they've not checked their credit score, they haven't done anything like that, you need to be thinking about this proactively. So really, at least 12 months in advance. So a great reason, if not for anything else to you know maybe look at using MoneyHub, and we'll talk about how it actually works in the moment, is if you're in the market, just to get your rent recognition actually fed into the credit reference agencies to give you the best chance of purchasing your first home, it, it's almost a no-brainer alongside everything else that we've actually discussed on this podcast as well. Do you think that the, the wide range of people that you are using you is because you're kind of unique in the market in terms of what you do in terms of the offering of trying to make this information available in an easy format?
1: Yeah. So I think the, the rise of open banking, as I say, kind of came about in 2018. We, we actually co-founded an organization called FData and lobbied the government for open banking. Um, so, we were at the forefront of designing the specs and working it through and working with the banks to get it right. So, we were at the forefront of open banking, but, but open finance was always at, at our hearts. So, that kind of approach where it's uh, easier, it's, it's a click away. So, if you connect your bank accounts so up quite often now it's a thumbprint to just to do the mm-hmm. consenting if you do app to app. Um, the same is happening in, in all the other areas as well. So, pensions, we've got by far the best coverage in the industry for pensions as it is, but we've been lobbying for open pensions, which kicks in in 2023, okay. where again, it becomes a legal requirement for this data to be available, not just because we've managed to secure it via, we call it closed, you know, closed banking, closed whatever, mm-hmm. uh, where we've got private agreements, so we've got alternative ways of connecting the data. But the open kind of, it's a legal requirement to be able to do that. That's happening with pensions. It's it's heading that way with investments and savings. Ultimately, if you think about other other thrilling legislation like GDPR, at the heart of that, it's your data. You control who has access to it. As long as that's done securely and safely and people are protected and vulnerable people are protected, I think that's what's important.
0: So on the open pensions thing kicking in in 2023, is that going to impact some of the legacy pension providers as well?
1: Because traditionally,
0: those are the guys that it's an absolute nightmare to get a bean out of in terms of information and data.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, we have different ways of getting the data at at the moment. But yeah, we we would prefer it to be just easier, mainly because when someone's using these kind of services for the first time, as you've experienced, when you've got quite a lot of accounts to connect, it becomes a bit of a job. And we need it to be super easy for people um, so that they can get the benefit really quickly. Um, I talked about tax returns earlier. Nothing worse than deciding to use this service on the day the tax return is due, like the final cutoff date. It's too late then. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, it's great if you've done it for a while. But those are the kind of things it should be that easy if I'm doing a tax return I should be able to do it on the fly I shouldn't have to sign up to a service like this that you know the government should be able to say just connect your accounts we'll sort it out for you if that's what you want to do or you use a service like Alice to kind of get get it all straight in your head first and then submit that that's probably a better way but yeah
0: absolutely okay cool so guys if you're listening to this I would strongly 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 encourage you to just download the MoneyHub app. There is an offer at the moment where you can go for a trial, I think six month trial. Then after that, the subscription fee for it I think is 99p per month. Is that right, Dan?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Or you can uh, pay 9.99 for an annual
0: subscription. It makes absolute sense for, if you talk about it, it's, it's gonna be a tenner for the entire year, organize your finances, get everything in one place. If you're opening multiple investment accounts and multiple bank accounts, then you can just get all of that information in one place. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you a lot of stress. And if you are a first-time buyer, just that rent recognition and the benefit that it's going to help in terms of helping you boost your credit score so that you're in a position where you can actually acquire your first property without having to jump over the hurdles of, oh, there's something on my credit score that I wasn't really aware of or something that's negatively impacting my credit score. This is almost a no-brainer. I will leave a link in the show notes um, for you guys to to use. Um, go and check it out. Go and use a trial. Go and sign up. It's very, very, very easy, very, very intuitive. I'm going to be doing more work with the guys at Money Hub uh, through the new year on this episode as well and a little bit on on, on, on YouTube as well. So stay tuned for a bit more conversation, interaction, and some bits and pieces that will come out, um, across the podcast and, and the YouTube. Dan, are there any kind of like final thoughts or final words that you want to leave the listeners with? Uh,
1: well, just we're at the perfect time start of the next year. It's a perfect time to think about your finances and work out where you want to be in 12 months time. Um, recommend just getting on top of your finances now. It's never too late. you the sooner you get on with it, the sooner you're going to be financially better off.
0: Absolutely. And guys, this year on the podcast, we started talking about goals and I started the YouTube channel with on exactly the same, the same vein. What is your goal for this year? So if I think about my financial goals, I've met pretty much all of my financial goals and maybe some barring maybe two of my business goals and personal goals. Goals are really, really important. It's the reason that you're able to progress and feel as though you're developing and growing as a person, as a business in whatever it is that you're doing. I'm a firm believer. Many people may not necessarily have the same belief as me, but goals basically give you direction. And if you are in that place at the moment, and I did a poll on Instagram asking people, you know, are you in a position at the minute where you're thinking about your new year's resolutions from a financial point of view? 95% of people that answered that poll said yes. So if you are one of them, go and download the, the Money Hub app, go and trial it out and get your finances because that's your first step to get your finances in order and be able to see what's going on you can do your income analysis, your spending analysis, and kind of get your head straight and right for the new year. So you can actually use that as a foundation to get going in your goals. We'll be talking a little bit more about that in 2022, because I do want to center check with people, make sure that people are setting goals. But I appreciate Dan for coming on. And if you are listening to this, thank you so much. This has been an amazing year. You're going to hear this the week of Christmas, and I'll be away somewhere very, very nice on in the sun in Dubai I'm not going to be back into the new year. Don't hate me for saying that, but I've had no holiday at all this entire year. It's the only time that I get to get away over Christmas and New Year's. But fundamentally, always remember what our mantra is. Money's a tool, life's a living. Have a great Christmas, and I will speak to you next Monday. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors, designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.